Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This talk continues week seven of our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning and welcome to the final Sunday in the month of October. Can you believe it? Time is flying, and we are about to step into November, which is going to be just a fantastic month here at Valley Point Church. And next weekend, we all get to do something that we love. That is, you get to fall back and gain an hour of sleep, right? That's a good thing. So I anticipate, actually, you know, the first hour clapped over that, because they're the ones that are up early. So you guys probably just aren't as grateful for the hour of sleep. Uh, You'll enjoy it, and I anticipate when we come next week, everybody will be bright, and your eyes will be open, and it's going to be a really good day. I'm thankful that you're here, really grateful that you've taken time to be at Valley Point Church this morning, and I hope this is just a wonderful day for you. Last week, I shared with you the discouraging story of Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was a place on the edge of the promised land. And so what we've been doing for the past several weeks is we have been walking chronologically through key events and key people in Scripture. And we started out in the garden and what was so perfect and what was so beautiful. Eventually, people turned away from God and made some bad choices. And really, the rest of the story is about God winning back what he loves the most And that's his prized creation. It's people. It's us. And so we get a few more stories into God's grand narrative here. And what we discover is that his people are enslaved in Egypt. Really oppressed there. And so God tapped on the shoulder of an individual named Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery into freedom. And that's exactly what happens. It's a great story about God reaching out and rescuing his people. And so they leave Egypt and they move to the mountain of Sinai. And that's where they set up camp. They're now free people and God is building them into a very powerful nation. While they're at the camp in Mount Sinai, God gives to Moses the Ten Commandments. Because God wanted to be sure that his people knew how to properly respect him and also how to properly respect the people around them. And so he gave them guidelines. He gave them some commandments and wanted them to abide by those rules and those laws. Well, after spending some time at Mount Sinai, the people pick up camp, and they now number in the 2 to 3 million range. This is a mass of people. And they go from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which is right on the edge of the promised land, the land that God gave to their ancestors and said hundreds of years earlier, you're going to get to go in and you're going to get to have that and enjoy that. It's yours. And there you will raise your families. It's yours for the taking. But what makes Kadesh Barnea a very discouraging and depressing story is that when the people got to the edge of the promised land, a group of them looked at what was on the other side and said, can't be done. 
We can't go in. There's giants in the land. There's professional warriors in there. And there's massively walled cities. And there is no way that we're going to be able to get in there. And I know God said we can have this and we can enjoy it, but it's just not going to work out. They took a wrong turn. They made a fatal choice. And so what God did in Kadesh Barnea is he looked at that generation who chose not to trust him and said, as a result of the lack of your faith, you're going to miss out on my best. And you're basically going to wander around in a circle for 40 years until this generation who chose not to believe dies off. And then the next generation will get the opportunity to move from Kadesh Barnea into the promised land. And that's exactly what happened. That whole generation that doubted, they missed out on God's best, and they wandered for 40 years. I want you to remember these two names, Kadesh Barnea. I want you to remember this place. And every time you have to make a choice in life, no matter how big it is or how seemingly small it might be, I want you to invite God into that choice. Often we kind of leave him out. Sometimes when we're in trouble, we invite God in because we want him to bail us out. But God wants to be involved in every aspect and every choice of our lives. And so I want you to think about Kadesh Barnea because that was a group of people who chose to leave God out. And they missed out. They really did. So Kadesh Barnea, kind of a discouraging story about a whole generation who just missed it. A fatal turn. And we certainly want to avoid that in our lives. So that brings us to our upper story statement for today. Here's the big idea of what God is doing. And that is God sent help for his people. And God sends me help too. We're going to talk about that today. God sent help for his people. He did that after the whole Kadesh Barnea fatal choice thing. God sent help for his people And God sends me help too. The way that God sent help for his people at Kadesh Barnea is he raised up a new leader. That leader's name is Joshua. We've been talking about Moses for a few weeks. What we discover as we get into the book of Joshua is that Moses is quite old and he is about to die. And so Moses begins to raise up the next leader. And just like God tapped Moses on the shoulder, Moses tapped Joshua on the shoulder and said, Joshua, you're the one. You're going to lead God's people into the promised land. It's not for me. I'm not going to have the opportunity to do that. Our 40 years of wandering is about up. Our day is going to come, and you are the new leader. You might remember from last week that when they got to Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. Go in there, check it out, and bring me back a report. And that's when they made the bad choice because 10 spies came back and said, can't be done. There's giants, walled cities, we can't do it. But there were two spies who said, we can do this. And God is with us. And he's promised our ancestors that the land is ours. Let's move with him and let's have faith and let's step even though we can't figure all of this out right now. One of those spies' names was Caleb. The other one was Joshua. He was a good guy. And so now 
Moses is handing off the leadership baton to Joshua. He is going to lead God's people into the promised land. Here's a couple of thoughts about Joshua. You can really divide his life up into three different parts. Joshua chapter 24, which is the closing chapter in the book, tells us that Joshua lived to be 110 years of age. So he had a good, long, productive life. And you can break his life up into three parts. The first 20 years, then there's the middle 40 years, and then the final chapter is 50 years. And so when you take 20 plus 40 plus 50, you get... 110, yeah, and that's how old Joshua was when he passed. Now, the first 20 years, he spent as a slave in Egypt. That's what Joshua was born into, and that's all he would have known for his younger years. We get into the middle section of his life. The next 40 involves him watching Moses lead his people into freedom And what a glorious event that must have been to see. And Joshua had a front row seat to all of that. And he watched Moses and God take his people to Mount Sinai. And the Ten Commandments were delivered. And then they pick up camp after a little bit of time there. And they go to Kadesh Barnea. And it's there that Joshua, in those middle 40 years, would have witnessed the generation above him make that fatal choice. You know, last week I talked about how we don't make choices in isolation. That there are other people in the car with us. And Joshua didn't want to make that choice. But yet the majority did, and he suffered as a result. And he spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness until that generation passed. It just helps us to know that our choices have consequences. And there's a price to pay for that. Both bad choices and good choices. So Joshua spends... The middle part of his life, wandering around, waiting for his opportunity to lead and to get into the promised land. The final 50 years of Joshua's life, he is given the baton of leadership. He takes it and he leads God's people into the land that God had given to them. So that's how you can divide Joshua's life. The first 20 years, the middle 40, and the final 50 Now, help me out a little bit here, because I think this is kind of a fascinating thing about Joshua that should encourage many of you. How old was Joshua when he was given the leadership role and he takes God's people into the promised land? How old? Yeah, he's 60. So for all of you in the room who are 60 plus, today is your day, right? This is a good day for you. Because what we're going to find is that Joshua's most productive days came after 60 years of age. And that's where God really used him. And that's where he begins to have amazing impact. Not necessarily in his younger years, not even necessarily in his middle years, but in the closing chapter of his life, God really uses Joshua. And at 60 plus, he does some incredible things. And I want you to know that. And I want you to be encouraged that when you reach that station of life, God's not finished with you, and your most productive days may actually be in that particular time frame of life. And this is what we see over and over again in Scripture, that there are many people beyond 60 who do wonderful things for God. And this is one of the examples that we see from Joshua. He's 60, and he does some great stuff. So be encouraged. 
So that's how you can break Joshua's life down. 20 years, 40 years, and then the final 50. So here's another interesting thing about Joshua. He has a lot of hard work to do at 60 years of age. It's not going to get any easier for him. He has a hard task in front of him. He's got to take God's people from here to there, from point A to point B, from Kadesh Barnea and all of the wandering there in the wilderness to the promised land. And it is a challenging task. And here's why. Nothing's changed in the promised land. In 40 years, nothing has changed. There's still giants and trained warriors. There are still massively walled cities. Nothing has changed. All of those challenges still exist. And you know the people are thinking about that. In addition to that, what we find in the book of Joshua is that between Kadesh Barnea and the promised land, there is the Jordan River. And what scripture tells us is that the Jordan River, at this particular time, when they're ready to embark and go and conquer the land, it's at flood stage. So they've got this whole water thing in front of them. Now, you would like to think that somebody there would say, you know what, we've had issues with bodies of water before. Like, we've been on the edge of some really dire situations. Do you remember the Egyptians chasing us down to the edge of the Red Sea, and we had no idea how we were going to get across? But God showed up, God came through, he opened up the Red Sea, and we got across, and we are now free people as a result of that water episode. So if God can do that with the Red Sea, certainly he can do that with the Jordan River. But I think they began to doubt a little bit and question. And before we get too judgmental uh, about them, don't we do the same thing? We know what God has done in the past and how he's worked for us, but yet we doubt what he might be able to do today. We forget about all of these wonderful events and how God has come through in the past because of the challenges that we encounter right now. God's people did it back in the day, and we do it all of the time. But the upper story, God's grand narrative here is that he sent help for his people, and God sends help for us as well. By the way, that's the same upper story statement, the same main theme that your kids will hear in Kid Point today. So be sure to ask them some key questions, and you can have this conversation together about the life of Joshua. So what about the lower story? Uh, What's actually happening on earth? Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. If you have a device, you can also scan the QR code in your program, and it'll bring up all of the scripture and all of our notes for today. You'll also find these words on the screen. So here's the lower story. Let's think about this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. And here's what God says, and this is remarkable. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given to you. This is a great promise. Wherever you stand, that's land that belongs to you. And then God begins to unpack that a little bit more. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, 
from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. And then he wraps it up by saying, I will not fail you. I will not fail you. And I will not abandon you. So Joshua stands up and begins to communicate this to the crowd. Hey, guess what? It's our time. We get to move into the promised land. And you know the people said, great, we're ready to go. We watched the generation before us make that fatal choice. We don't want to do that. So we are ready. What's the plan? How do we get there? We've got this Jordan River thing going on in front of us. How do we get from here to there? It's a legitimate question, isn't it? And so Joshua begins to share the plan. He begins to lead them. By the way, that's all that leadership is. It's taking people from A to B or an organization or a family. It's moving from here to there and doing your best to follow God along the way. And so the people are asking, you're the leader. How do we get from point A to point B? How are we going from here to there? Because it looks like we have some challenges. And so what you discover as you begin to read in the book of Joshua is that Joshua said, here's what God wants us to do. We're going to stand at the edge of the Jordan River. And God's going to perform another miracle. He's going to open that up for us. And we're going to walk across and get into the promised land. We're going to get there. And then when we get there, we're going to encounter our first city, which is a massively walled place. And here's what's going to happen. Write all this down. We're going to walk around the city for a few days. That's what we're going to do as a nation. We're just going to walk around this massively walled place. No need for weapons. Just leave your weapons at the camp because you're not going to need them. All right? We're just going to walk around the city. And then after a few days, I'm going to have some of you blow some trumpets and make a lot of noise. And then the rest of you are just going to shout as loud as you can. So we're going to have some trumpets blowing and a few million people shouting. And then get this. Here's what's going to happen next. The walls are just going to collapse. They're just going to fall down and we'll move in and it will be ours. Now, it doesn't exactly say this in Scripture, but can you imagine Joshua sharing, hey, we're going to go in, and we don't have a plan to scale the wall or to break through the wall or to tunnel under the wall. We're just going to walk around this gigantic place, and we're going to play some music, and we're going to shout, and God's going to give it to us. You know that some people probably looked at Joshua and said, what? Like, Joshua, you've lost it. You're like a cracked up nutcase all of a sudden because that's not a reality. Like, we've got to come up with a better plan. And again, we don't exactly find that in Scripture, but you know some people question because that's our nature, isn't it? And so I'm sure that as Joshua listened to some of these questions, his confidence began to wane. And possibly he sat down, had a little sidebar conversation with God. So God, we're moving into the land and the people are really doubting your plan. And actually, it really doesn't make sense at all. It's not too late to change the plan. Do you have anything else in mind? I'm sure Joshua was thinking about this and asking that. Well, you can imagine 
God sitting there taking all of this information in and saying, Joshua, trust me, believe in me, and walk with me even when it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's what I want for you. And this is faith. Trust me. Believe in me. Walk with me when it doesn't make sense. Well, what we discover in the rest of the story of Joshua is that he takes God's advice, which is always a good thing to do, and he begins to lead the people in a remarkable way. And one of the things that comes out of the life in the story of Joshua is that there is actually a strategy for making choices and for having success. And this kind of falls out of this story. And what we discover that is, is that the strategy has little to do with planning and organizing and occupying and fighting. And it has a lot to do with what's happening on the inside of me. So a lot going on on the outside of Joshua. God said, look, I'm going to give you a strategy. And it's going to be about what's happening on the inside of you. And you've got to pass this on to the people now. Share this strategy with them. And if they do this, and if you lead this way, Joshua, you're going to have success. It's going to work. Trust me. Believe in me. Walk with me, even when it doesn't make sense. And so God rolls out this strategy for success. And I want to share that with you today. And I want to share that because I think it really has the potential to change lives, which is always a good thing. So to help me explain this strategy from the book of Joshua, would you please welcome my wife, Tanya? I've shared this before, but my wife and I met when we were in college, and I was training to be a pastor, and my wife was an education major. But we had to take all of the same theology and Bible classes. So here's what you need to know about Tanya. She got an A in all of those classes. And I did not. So that's when we started dating. I I need to figure this out over here. So uh, I have always appreciated the conversations that we get to have. And it's fun when Tanya will share with me, here's what I'm discovering from God and here's what I'm reading. And I'll come back after I write different talks and say, well, here's what God is teaching me. And these are really good conversations and we'll often talk about our college days. And do you remember what Professor Carney said about this? And let's go back and look at our notes. And that's always uh, just a lot of fun. So about a year ago, you walked through the book of Joshua. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I love journaling through a book in the Bible, and uh, I take one at a time. And uh, yeah, about a year ago, I went through the book of Joshua, and I loved it. And uh, as I wrote different things I was learning along the way, um, I wrote down real home on uh, some different pages in my journal because I really felt like some of the events and obstacles that the Israelites and Joshua went through are similar to some of the things we're going through uh, waiting for our real home. Yeah, and there's three primary strategies that kind of jump out of this whole book, and you help me think through these. So what's the first strategy? Uh, be people of the book. And uh, Joshua 1 says, Be strong and courageous. 
For you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them, and you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. And I here we see God giving uh, helpful hints <laughs> in uh, Scripture. God says that if we will meditate, if we'll study God's word and obey, then we can be successful. And uh, when I think of successful, I think of uh, good grades, a dream job, um, a goal that's accomplished, or a house with six bathrooms. But uh, that isn't quite uh, the definition of success here. Uh, This word actually means to wisely understand. So God is saying that if we applies to us just like it did to Joshua and the Israelites. If we'll be in God's word studying it and obeying it, God will give us success or we can understand uh, what our next steps will be. Yeah, and that word success is found two times in verse 7 and it's the the Hebrew word sakal, which means to wisely understand, which is certainly a different definition than what we normally think about with success. It's also really fascinating to me how Joshua refers back to Moses, who was the previous leader, and Moses was certainly successful in his own right, but I think that's because he spent time in God's Word, and so that's how he was able to wisely understand. Okay, what's the second strategy? Be people of prayer. And uh, further on in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 10, uh, there's a story where Joshua prays not just to himself quietly, but in front of all the people, he says that he wants God to make the sun and the moon stand still, which is a crazy request. And uh, later on in that chapter, it says that God has never listened to another human being like he did uh, to Joshua that day. And uh, in my journal, I have that. I don't pray bold enough. I think I tend to pray doable prayers so God will answer them or so I think he can accomplish them. But uh, God wants us to pray boldly. He wants us to pray crazy prayers sometimes. Often we're just too safe and calculated with with our prayers. And I think God wants us to actually step in and, hey, ask for something big. That's, a, that's okay. Uh, this is very uh, meaningful to you because of what happened to your dad. So share that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was about 13 years old, I began praying that my dad would uh, trust Christ as his Savior, that he would understand um, his need to have a real relationship with God. And uh, my dad lives in Washington State, so growing up and uh, even once we were married, I would see him maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. So it was hard to continue that conversation or kind of live that out in front of him. And so uh, for 19 years, I prayed that prayer, and it got discouraging that God was ever going to answer that prayer. And uh, a few years in, you encouraged me to pray for someone in his workplace or maybe a friend that God would bring into his life that would be able to talk to him about Christ. And that's exactly what God did. Um, I remember the call my dad gave me. 
and uh, said, so I have this friend. <laughs> and uh, he proceeded to tell me that uh, he had trusted Christ because of what his friend had said. And I, I remember that call mm-hmm. and your dad saying, that, that thing you talk about, <laughs> that whole Christ, uh-huh. they, I, you know, I did that. And we were in a rented home in Illinois in the living room, and mm-hmm. that was certainly uh, a great call. So the last strategy is that we need to be people with appropriately placed confidence. So people of the book, people of prayer, and people with the right kind of confidence. So what does that mean? Well, in Joshua, the last chapter of the book, in chapter 24, it says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. Wrong verse, sorry. (laughs) Verse 17, For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Uh, It lists different events that God came through for them. How God brought them out of Egypt, and they gave honor back to God. How God protected them in the wilderness. How God was the one that drove out the Amorites. Um, They didn't take that success for their own. They gave that glory back to God. So when we talk about appropriately placed confidence. We need to make sure that we do that ourselves. The success that we have good things that happen to us, do we point that back to God and thank him for those events and do we praise him for that? I think these are three areas that we struggle with. It's being people of the book and consistently spending time in God's word, being people of prayer and bringing in bold requests and certainly being people with appropriately placed confidence, reflecting that back to God because he's the one who gives it to us. What you find throughout the book of Joshua, then, as you walk through these different events and these different strategies, is that they make it. They follow Joshua. They're obedient to God. They get into the land, and all of the nations actually know that God is with them. And we get to chapter 24, which is the closing chapter, and Joshua is about to pass. And here's what we read, verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem which is a location in the promised land. So they're there, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. And then Joshua sent all the people away to their own homelands. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. And after the depressing story of Kadesh Barnea and that fatal choice not to do what God wanted for them, where they missed out on God's best, we have a bright book right here called Joshua, where they follow through on doing exactly what God wants them to do. And I think it happened because they were people of the book, people of prayer, and people with appropriately placed confidence and this is what led to their success and i believe the same thing can happen for all of us will you help me thank tanya so what about my story 
the upper story, God helped his people and he helps me too. And you've got the whole lower story, this bright spot called the book of Joshua. What about my story? What's the takeaway for me? Well, I think we've got to answer the key questions presented from the life of Joshua. We've got to personalize this because it's not just for them and what they did so many years ago. This is for us as well. So here are the key questions. Am I a person of the book? Am I a person of prayer? And am I a person with appropriately placed confidence? And I think this is what we've all got to wrestle with. And I want to challenge each and every one of you to think about these questions. They're really not that hard to answer. We are or we aren't. And if we're somewhere in the middle, it's probably time to kick it up a notch and become what God wants for us. So am I a person of the book? Am I really investigating this and giving it the right amount of time, knowing that that leads to success? Am I a person of prayer? And am I stepping into the presence of God, not with safe stuff, but with some really bold, audacious requests? Am I doing that? Tanya talked about our future real home, and we have been working on this for several years and praying that God would take us to our Bethel Road campus just a little bit down the road here, and we're excited about all of that, but it's a challenge. We have a water and a sewer need. We've talked about this repeatedly. We have infrastructure needs, and if it were simple, it would already be done. It's not a simple thing. It's a bit complicated. I think it's a big request stepping into the presence of God and saying, this is what Valley Point desires so that we can continue to point people to real relationships and real significance. It's a bold request. And there are probably other bold requests that you need to be making in your life as a student, as a single person, as a married individual, as a retiree, whatever station you find yourself in in life, there's something there that you need to step into the presence of God and ask for in a bold way. And don't be afraid to do that. Again, I think God likes that because it helps us to be people with appropriately placed confidence. When God comes through on that stuff, we don't get any credit. It's not what I did or said or accomplished. It's what God did and what he said and what he accomplished. So am I a person of the book? Am I a person of prayer? And am I a person with appropriately placed confidence? If not, why not? And what would it take to get there? God provided help for his people. He provides help for me too. And I believe he's doing that today in the form of these three strategies. Be people of the book, be people of prayer, and be people with appropriately placed confidence. God, we're thankful for some time today to think about what you want to say to us and what you want to whisper into our hearts. And God, we're thankful for this bright spot in your word. We talked about Kadesh Barnea last week, and that was just kind of discouraging. People made a bad choice, and there were some dire consequences as a result. But yet, God, today we're discovering that a new generation stepped up and said, we will be obedient. We will do what God says. We will commit to him. And they were people of the book, people of prayer. And we see this throughout the book of Joshua as they encountered different things. And they were also people 
who gave proper recognition to you. Their confidence was in you. And so, God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us here in the room today. God, would you just help us to take these strategies and with whatever we're dealing with in life, whatever A to B journey is there, here to there, God, however we're leading at work, at at home, at school, God, whatever you're doing in us, help us to lead this way, knowing that when we do this, you're going to help us to wisely understand what it is that you want for us, even when it doesn't make sense. God, help us to walk in faith this week and help us to do it this way. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.